this morning, and uh, there are several verses to pick from, but I chose this one out of all the verses that were listed, because there's different Bible verses for each night, but we're going to do 1 John 4, 9, and uh, as you can tell, the whole Bible theme is about God's love, and so we'll say it reference, verse reference, like we do the Joshua Code, and then we'll look at a song called Follow the Way of Love, and um, that'll be interesting to say the least. Y'all ready? 1 John 4, 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. First John four, nine. Good. Well, let's talk about this song. Follow the way of love. And this is actually a song that's pretty much scripture. Our theme passage is first Corinthians 13. What do you know about first Corinthians 13? It's the love chapter, right? And so we're going to learn the motions. We're going to talk about, I'm going to preach about the love uh, chapter this morning as well. But uh, love is patient, love is kind. Okay? You remember the love chapter? Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. You know that passage? All right? Let's try it. Ready, get ready to throw the punches. It's not easily and very keeps no record of wrong. That's a monster, by the way. But we like to bring the truth. Good. You ready? It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. 
is patient, love is kind. And my enemy does not boast. And here's my crown, here's my root. It is my spell of speaking. It is my great anger, keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Good, you got it. That's just straight scripture, ready? It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Patient love is kind. BBS motto this morning. And this is what you're going to be learning each night. Each night, listen, boys and girls, the different treasure you're going to be learning and learning God's love is giving and kind and forever and caring. See these large pieces of gold up here? This is each night you're going to focus on God's love. And here's how we're going to say this. That's the and sign. God's love is giving, kind, caring, forgiving, and forever. Okay? We're going to say it together. Y'all ready? Let's try it. 
God's love is giving, kind, caring, forgiving, and forever. Let's say it one more time. Ready? God's love is giving, kind, caring, forgiving, and forever. The Savior of the world is coming. The Savior of the world is coming down. Come on, Gabriel, go tell Mary. The Savior of the world is coming down. And he will be king. And his kingdom will not end. And he will be called Son of the Most High. He will come in love. The Savior of the world is coming down. The Savior of the world is coming. The Savior of the world is coming down. Come on, Gabriel, go down, Mary. The Savior of the world is coming down. The kingdom will not Those boys and girls going to uh, Children's Church can slip out. And uh, if you'll find there's a scripture passage, uh, lay on your pew. If you'll get that, please. That's this morning's scripture. And I want us to read that together. And then we're going to preach a message called It's All About Love. So find that if you would. Remain standing. We're going to read that together. I am impressed. I looked at there and everybody was in unison back and forth. I mean, it was something to see. Just make sure you wear your deodorant this week, boys and girls. Okay? Because there's a lot of that going on. All right? Let's read the Word of God. This is our theme passage. What's going to happen is, this is the theme of the week, but what's going to happen is, different stories are going to show you how God loves you like this. So you'll be looking at five different stories this week, but this is the theme. Let's read it together. You ready? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. Thanks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. 
bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. You may be seated. This is probably a familiar passage to many of you. Uh, Maybe you heard it for the very first time at a wedding. It's a favorite for many weddings. Maybe you were at a Valentine's banquet and somebody shared this passage of Scripture. Uh, It's a beautiful passage of Scripture, to say the least. Someone said that to take it apart and study it would kind of be like taking a flower apart. Um, Because it's so beautiful in its totality. It's so beautiful as a whole. But this morning we are going to take it apart. And I don't want you to think of it as a single flower in a vase, one one flower in a vase. I want you to think of it as a bouquet of flowers, 13 in all that are beautifully arranged in a vase. We'll call the love bouquet. And what we're going to do this morning is take out these flowers and look at them. But don't worry, we're going to put them all back in the vase when we're done and leave it just as beautiful as when we began, I trust. Over and over again, it's about love. Love, love, love. Love is patient. Love is kind. We just sung about that. See how that, that song is just boom right from this passage of Scripture. This is agape love being talked about. There's all kinds of different kinds of love, you know. There's a brotherly love and so forth. But this is agape love. This is the highest form of love. This is the kind of love that Jesus has. This is the kind of love that God has. This is the kind of love that we as believers are to have. And we're going to see it as we take this bouquet apart. And look at it. And as we take it apart, we're just going to take the flowers and place them in two groups. We're going to pull out the first three and we're going to lay them in the first pile. And we're going to call it basically the idea and a reminder to us that we're to be motivated by love. We can call that first pile motivation. We're to be motivated by love. And we find that in the first three verses of this passage. Look at it again. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, what's it say? I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned. I mean, how much higher can you go than that? But it says, if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Now you might be wondering, beloved, as we look at this passage this morning, why is this passage here? I mean, in the book of 1 Corinthians... Why do you have this passage, these words, right here in chapter 13? You know, someone pointed out that this has been a passage that's been misinterpreted and misapplied and and used in ways that just to kind of just a general thing. But really, this is not a standalone passage, per se, because it comes in the midst of a letter to the Corinthians. And chapter 13 is actually in a section that talks about spiritual gifts. 
I trust you know that every believer has been given at least one spiritual gift. I believe given to you at the time of your salvation that you're to develop and use for the glory of God and also for the building up of the body of Christ. And in chapter 12, you have the the endowment of gifts, as one person noted. And in chapter 14, there's the functioning of the gifts. But right here in chapter 13, we have the attitude or the motivation. What should be behind the gifts? If the gifts are given... And you have a spiritual gift if you're a Christian. I hope you're using it. If you have a spiritual gift, if you're going to use it for the glory of God, if you're going to use it for building up the body, it has to be done how? In love. Right? So now you know why to talk about this idea of tongues and prophecy and the gift of giving. Because he's talking about spiritual gifts. And so he says, listen, if I have the tongues of men and angels, if I'm eloquent and have the gift of tongues, but I don't have love, I'm just a bunch of noise. If I had the gift of prophecy and could do all these things with the gift of faith, listen to what the message, how the message says it. Listen, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but, 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 but don't love, I am nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all its mysteries and making everything plain as day. And if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump and it jumps. Can you imagine that? But I don't have love. I am nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't have love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love. Love is the key. Love is the key in using your spiritual gifts. Love is the key in living the Christian life and relating to one another and having fellowship with one another to love. And if I don't have love, I've gotten nowhere. As I studied this this past week, it reminded me of another passage of Scripture. I think it's probably one of the saddest set of Scriptures in the Bible. Listen to what it says in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. This is Jesus now. Many will say to me in that day, Jesus says, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons. In your name and done many wonders in your name. And then verse 23 is haunting. Verse 23 says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. You see, beloved, it's not enough to work for Jesus. We have to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. We're not saved by works. We're not kept saved by works. We're not in God's grace because we work. We work because we are saved. We work because we love God and we love his people. And he's gifted us and he's given us things to do. And we want to honor him and glorify him with our lives. So I want to ask you today, do you know Jesus? Has there ever been a time in your life where you realized you were a sinner? You'd fallen short of God's glory. And the wages of sin is death. But then you turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. If not, beloved, today is the day to turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, there's still ten flowers in the vase. And I want us to pull those flowers out and look at them. The first one's all about motivation. We're to be motivated by love. What we do is to be done in love. And so as I stand up here today and preach to you, I should be doing that because of love. You teachers at Bible school tonight, you should be here not because you feel guilty 
Because if you weren't here, you'd feel guilty. Not because you feel like you have to do it. You should do it because of love. You love the Lord and love these children and love people. Those that are working, whatever you do here, do it in love. But the second group of flowers, these last ten, remind us that we're to be marked by love. We're to be marked by love. That is, love should characterize our lives. And the Lord does not leave us guessing as to what love looks like. You know, love is that everybody talks about love. Oh, I love everybody's in love. I love pizza. I I love the Atlanta Braves. I I love everything. I I just love I love people. But listen, he's very specific of what the kind of love he's talking about. Not necessarily a mushy, gushy, feely, fuzzy, warm type of love, but a love that is selfless, a love that is sacrificial, a love that puts other people Above myself. Look at the list. We could probably spend weeks studying 1 Corinthians 13. But we have just a few more minutes. So I want to just go through it real quick with you. Notice what he says about love. Beginning there in verse 4. It says love suffers long. Love suffers long. That is love is patient. Love doesn't fly off the handle. Uh, Love isn't quick to respond in that way in an inappropriate manner. Love is patient. And then it says what? Love is what? It's kind. We just sang about that. That is, it's courteous. It's helpful. It's kind. Don't we need kindness in our world? This means yes. Are you all so tired from singing and motioning? Y'all sleeping on me? We need kindness, don't we? Well, you know what? We need kindness in the church. You know, people could be just be, I think, meaner in church with their brothers, sisters in Christ and they with their co-workers at work. Right. Just like husbands and wives can be meaner with each other than they are with their co-workers. We need kindness. Love is kind. Love is suffering like it's patient. Notice what else says. Love does not envy. It's not jealous of what other people have. It's not looking around and taking an estimate when you drive in the parking lot this morning and saying, well, I wish I had their car. Or I wish I had that truck. That's not love. That's envy. That's not the type of love that we're to have. That's not love at all. And listen, you need parents, you need to teach your kids that somebody else's blessing is not their loss. It's not your loss. You rejoice with those who rejoice. You're happy about when somebody else is blessed. I was listening yesterday. You know, I have to get preaching from somebody else. I like listening to Adrian Rogers. He's in heaven now, but they still show his programs. And he was talking about the fact that one of his practices, he's talking about the idea of not envying and coveting. He says he has a practice. He doesn't pray it out loud, but when he goes into somebody's home, He prays and he thanks God for God's blessing on that family and on what they have and how God is blessed. That's what a great way to just praise the Lord and to not envy and not covet. To say, praise the Lord, you've got that nice car. Praise the Lord, you have a beautiful home. Praise the Lord for your wonderful family. Praise the Lord for these things. Love does not envy. It also says love does not parade itself. What's that mean? It means it's not boastful. It's not a braggart. It's not, hey, hey, you know, I'm in love. No, it's not boastful. It's not a braggart. It says it's not puffed up. What does that mean? Well, it means it's not proud. I'm loving and proud of it. No, that's not love. That's not love. That's arrogance. Love is not boastful. It's not proud. It's not puffed up. It's not focusing on itself. It says love does not behave rudely. Does not behave rudely. That is, it's not indecent. It's not inappropriate. It doesn't uh, act in that manner. It says it does not seek its own. That means it's not selfish. You can't be selfish and loving at the same time. Did you know that? 
If you're going to deal with somebody, you have to be loving or be selfish, right? We're to be loving because love is not selfish. It doesn't insist on my rights. How we need to hear that in our world. How we need to hear that in the church. You know, things that really don't matter. Things that are just preferences. Things that just could be either way. Yet we have to insist on our rights. That's not love. Love is not selfish. It's not seeking its own. It says love is not provoked. You guys like that move. I know a lot of you did because easily angered. Provoked. It means to be set on edge, right? And ready for a fight. It's not easily angered. It's not touchy. Do you know any touchy people? Don't look around. Eyes here. Do you know any touchy people? Where are their emotions right here? Waiting for a fight. Waiting to respond. That's not love. Love is not uh, provoked. It says love thinks no evil. And your version may have it keeps no record of wrong. We sang about that in a moment. Why does it say keeps no record of wrong? Thinks no evil. Well, the idea in the original there is the calculating wrongs or calculating. So the idea was if you were to start writing down a list of everything that's gone wrong, everybody's done wrong to you. That's not love. Warren Wiersbe, when I was reading and studying this past week, said he knew a man who actually had, I think he said a notebook where he would write down everything people had done wrong to him. He said he's one of the most miserable men you ever want to meet in your life. Can you imagine that? Go ahead and write them down. Well, today, Phyllis didn't shake my hand. The preacher didn't look my way when he was preaching. Can you imagine living like that? Love thinks no evil. It keeps no record of wrong. It doesn't hold that against you. That three years ago, you did this to me. No, that's not love. Love keeps no record of wrong. It thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, it says. That simply means what? We're not happy with sin. We're not happy when we sin and we're not happy when somebody else's sin. You know, sad to say there could be some believers who actually are happy that somebody else has fallen into sin. That's not love. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Love rejoices in what? In the truth. The truth. Happy in the truth. And we know the truth is in the word of God. And we rejoice in that truth. Then it says love bears all things. That has the idea either of being a bearing up under. Maybe you're in some situations. Love, you bear up under. But it also has the idea of, of covering. And that is you don't reveal every fault of everybody else. Love doesn't go around pointing out everything that's wrong in everybody else's life. It, it covers that. It bears all things. Then it says it hopes all things. That is, it looks for the best. Love doesn't go around pointing out everybody's faults and failings. Love looks for the best. Love rejoices in the truth. You see how this is all about others and about love and God. It's not about me. It's not about my rights and what I want. It says love endures all things. That is, love does not give up. It doesn't give up. It endures. It keeps on going. And it says love never fails. That is, love is permanent. I'll tell you how that is in just a moment as we keep studying here. But when you look at the list and we look at what it says about love, don't we see here the description of how God loves us? That's how God loves. Don't we see here a description of how Jesus loved as we look at his earthly life, how he loved other people. And perhaps you read the list. You thought about this. Perhaps you thought about these words. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you see how those things line up? The fruit of the spirit is. And agape love, the love chapter. 
These are the characteristics we should display, beloved. These things should mark us. Love is so important. It's vital. But listen, we know that it's not only permanent. It's also greater than faith and hope. Now, maybe you never thought about this. The last part, maybe you get into this, you say, what does this mean? And now abide faith, hope and love these three. But the greatest of these is what? So let's think about for a moment. How is it that love is greater than faith? And how is it that love is greater than hope? Well, look at verse eight. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Notice what happens in verse eight. He says right away, love never fails. And then he gives you three things that will fail. He talks about, first of all, prophecies. Talking about spiritual gifts, the gift of prophecies and prophecies. They're going to fail. What do you mean? Well, look at verses 9 and 10. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. In other words, when the prophecy has been fulfilled and all prophecy has been fulfilled, then, of course, the prophecy will fail. It will cease. We don't need the prophecy anymore if we have what's come about. And then it says what? We're told that tongues will cease. It says whether there are tongues, they will cease. Now, when you go back to the original Greek, it's interesting there. The way the Greek grammar is arranged there, it's in the middle voice and it means automatically cease of themselves. What do you mean, preacher? What were these tongues? Well, tongues, of course, were a gift. The early church gift of languages. They're going to cease of themselves. We believe it's already ceased. Why? We don't need tongues anymore. You know why? We have the completed word of God. We don't need tongues. They will cease. We believe they have ceased. Then it says when there's knowledge, it will vanish away. Look at verse 11 and 12. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. Those things are right. But then notice what it says. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face. Now I know in part knowledge in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Knowledge will vanish away. Why? Because we'll see them face to face. I won't need prophecies. I won't need these things. I'll be face to face. And then he says what? Here's the point, beloved. Spiritual gifts are temporary. Love is eternal. Spiritual gifts are temporary. Love is eternal. They're going to vanish. Love never vanishes. But then notice verse 13, because here it is. And now abide faith, hope and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Now, how is love greater than faith and how is love greater than hope? Well, listen, when I'm with the Lord Jesus Christ face to face, I will not need faith at that moment. I will not need hope at that moment. Why? Because I'm face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. I won't need those other things, but I will have what's left. Love. And I think our love will just continue to grow, don't you? I mean, as much as you love Jesus now, and hopefully you love Jesus more now than you did last week and the week before and two years ago. Imagine as you grow and you continue in your life, imagine the day when you stand Christian Face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. Your faith is complete. Your hope is complete. 
And you're standing face to face. What's going to be left? Love. Love never fails. It is greater. And I believe we'll just continue growing and growing and growing in our love. Now we have these flowers laying in two piles. Let's gather them back up and put them back in the vase. What do we learn? Love is vital. Love is greater. Love is permanent. And this love bouquet is beautiful. And it's not natural. It's supernatural. And I love what John MacArthur said here. He said, everything a Christian does should be done in love. That's what 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, by the way. Right theology is no substitute for love. You can know every Bible verse and everything right down the line, but it's not a substitute for love. Religious works are no substitute for love. Nothing substitutes for love. All that we do is to be done in love. Love is permanent. Love is greater. Love is the key, beloved, to our Christian life and our service to one another. And I'll close with that verse, 1 Corinthians 16, 14. It says, let all that you do be done with love. Everything you do with love. The kind of love being talked about here. Let's pray. As your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, if you don't know this kind of love from the Lord, I would invite you today to come and meet Him. Come, turn from your sin, place your faith in Him, and He will save you. We're going to have an invitation song in a moment. I'll be down here at the front. We'd love to have someone take a Bible and lead you to the cross. That's all we want to do. If you need Christ today, you come. But maybe you're here today, and Christian, this message was primarily for us, wasn't it? Maybe God spoke to your heart about some area. I want to invite you to come and pray in a moment. And we'll spend some time seeking the Lord before we go our separate ways. Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow now. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the love of the Lord Jesus. Help us to live out this kind of love in our lives and our service. If someone is here today and does not know you, I pray today will be the day they come to know you. And for those Christians that are here today, Father, bring them in prayer, seeking your face. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. You come today and pray at God's heart. You can say that you come.